Welcome to the Real Freedom Podcast, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. All right, welcome everybody to the Real Freedom Podcast. And I'm so excited today to have Oliver Seidler on here. And he's going to share his story about uh, how a C student grew up and, and created an A life. So a little bit about Oliver. He is the CEO of Property Force, and uh, he works on uh, identifying properties. And we'll dig into this a little bit in Florida, Georgia, Texas, and other areas. Probably like a thousand, a thousand properties that you guys are going to take on this year. And you do hard money lending um, yep. as well. And then yep. uh, he's also the author of a book, A Renegade Rules, How a C Student Created an A Life and how you can too. So um, we want to dig deeper into his entrepreneurial journey and uh, and go from there. So welcome, Oliver. We're so excited to have you. If you just want to take a couple minutes and, and share a little bit deeper about yourself. Yeah. So um, thanks for having me on. Um, as far as um, you know, business-wise goes and our company, um, the company was started in March of 2006, obviously right before the crash. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for a company for two years out of college doing wholesale and lending hard money. So we started our company in 2006. And then, um, you know, obviously the market crashed shortly after and made it through that. And then, um, you know, in 2009 and 10, we're able to stabilize and then start building some systems, um, expanded um, throughout the state of Florida, um, having four offices in uh, one in Miami, one in Fort Lauderdale, one in Tampa, one in Orlando. And, you know, ran a pretty like traditional wholesale company. And um, then in 2015, um, I had success with that from 2010 to 2015. 2015, mm-hmm. bought out my um, business partner at the time, um, consolidated the four offices into one office in South Florida and kind of went to a virtual wholesale model. And um, yeah, you know, did that and, you know, had a lot of ups and downs through that transition and building of that model, which was different and there was no roadmap um, for it. Um, got our handle on that, you know, I'd say over the last couple of years and now started to, you know, scale the company and um, yeah, scale it out and uh, with the eventual hope to go nationwide. And then, you know, in that um, I have now a president and a full executive team. So it's allowed me to kind of be more of the face um, of the company, strategical leader of the company, which gave me the time to now write that book, um, mm-hmm. Renegade Rules, How a C Student, you know, um, created an A life and focus on that and focus on, um, you know, kind of trying to help out other people who, um, you know, want to build cool, good lives, um, wholesale and, you know, building rentals and things like that can build that passive income that Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about. And, you know, being an advocate for that and, you know, hopefully helping other people, uh, whether they join our company as a salesperson or maybe just get a hold of the book and, you know, help other people to kind of, you know, do that um, with whatever path they choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love, you know, and, and we can, let's, let's talk about the book a little bit um, and, and really kind of your, your journey as a part of that book. Um, because as, as we were chatting about, you know, so you, you've got the, what the, what the world and what the education system teaches you. And then you've got kind of what actually happens in real life. And, you know, a lot of times you've got, you know, parents or guardians or mentors and, and all that. And it's saying, you know, get good grades, get a good job, 
um, so that you can live a stable lifestyle. And what we realize is, is a lot of times it's the people that um, you know, get bored in school or they get bored, you know, just in general, whether it's learning, they just want to do and go do yeah. stuff instead of sitting in a, in a classroom and learning stuff. And, uh, you know, I had a roommate in college that was the same way, you know, um, he wanted to focus on taking over his dad's company after graduation. And he, you know, did, did fine in school, but at the same time, it's like, that really wasn't what his focus. Um, I, was, was of the kind of the mental mindset of like, you know, get, get good grades. So that's what I focused on. And then really that mindset kind of hindered me early in my career because I was so focused on, you know, perfection and getting it done just right. And it was really more over doing it perfect versus just doing more activities. Um, and I think that that, you know, kind of handicapped me in the early stages. So, so talk a little bit about your journey and, and how you found success um, you know, through, through your, you know, kind of not being what's the, the, the traditional great A student. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, as far as school goes, I wasn't that interested in most of the subjects in it. And my parents, you know, were from, you know, they're from England and not so much into the traditional American, you know, go to college and get good grades. So they didn't really put a lot of pressure on me to get the grades. Um, mm-hmm. They cared that I was at least passing and, you know, getting through that. So I didn't have a lot of pressure coming from home, which I guess looking back on it um, gave me more of a chance to explore, um, you know, not just school, other things, because it wasn't like I was like, oh, well, if I get straight A's, you know, I'm sure they would have been happy, but it wasn't mm-hmm. strict enforcement or whatever it is. So I was able to kind of like be a little more free flowing. And um, yeah, I just, really had different interests. And so I took a different path. Um, in high school, I did graduate, but, you know, like with a C, C minus great, great point average. Um, but I had done a lot of experiences in there, um, mm-hmm. more travel than most people. And, um, you know, I think the travel part is where you can learn a lot. So when I went to college, which took me five and a half years, part of the reason it took me five and a half years was the lack of interest and, um, mm-hmm. a lot of but also I traveled all over the world, probably the 20, 25 countries over that time period, which I think you get a different kind of learning and different kind of experience. So, you know, I guess looking back because I didn't have pressure on me, I was, you know, I had, um, I had options to learn in different ways besides um, just school. And yeah, I guess the doing what I needed to do to get by um, and not strive for perfection in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm helped me, uh, you know, later on getting into the professional world because I didn't have to do everything perfectly. And, um, you know, that, yeah, definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, since I've been in real estate, so I've been in real estate for seven years. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've realized that, you know, action always beats perfection, you know, Correct. any, any day of the week and, and you'll find the most successful people, in real estate, whether it's a realtor, whether it's investor, like they're just churning up dust, you know, like, let's just go make stuff happen, make a lot of contacts, have a lot of conversations. And, and then you, you've got that person that can come behind you and help organize that over time. But, but if you don't have the person pushing forward, you're just not going to grow fast enough. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's it. When I talked about in college, you know, doing things like, you know, going to Europe for, you know, five or six weeks and not really knowing totally where I was going and backpacking through and, you know, leaving one college and going to the other college or, you know, doing different um, unorthodox things like that helped 
in that, you know, moving forward in professional career, because the first job I had was hundred percent commission. I didn't even have a resume to get the job. I had no clue what it was going to entail, but I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. And so, um, learned over my professional career that failing forward is kind of important. And I guess not having, not striving for the perfection you talked about in school allowed me to just say, Hey, you know what, I'll figure it out because of the unorthodox experiences I had in, you know, high school, college, and even probably middle school and stuff like that. So it gave me the, um, the confidence in myself to kind of take, take a risk or a leap of faith or whatever you want to call it. And then just fail forward and figure it out because yeah, at the end of the day, if you are aggressive and you just move towards something, you know, most of the time you, you'll clean up the dust left behind and, and figure it out. So, you know, for sure that was helpful in that. Well, and I think another, another mindset piece there, uh, kind of a nugget of wisdom is, is when you learn how to fail forward, you're not, you're not afraid to fail. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there where, you know, you get your hand slapped or, you know, something happens and you get in your own head and, and you just have that fear of, of moving forward to the next thing. Cause you don't want to upset somebody else, upset yourself. Um, but if you can handle rejection and if you can learn to just keep moving in spite of the circumstances that are coming at you, cause there's always going to be challenges, but you just can't let your foot off the gas. Um, that stuff is so valuable. And, and that's why, um, you know, folks like yourself are very successful because you just move forward and it's like, this thing happened to me, this thing happened to me. Okay, that's fine. We'll just go figure out the next way to do it. Um, versus feeling like, well, I don't want to do it again and fail. Um, or, you know, what if I get upset? Um, or if I upset, I'm worried about upsetting somebody else. No, you just kind of keep moving forward and, and let that stuff roll off your back. Yeah, I think it's like the half glass empty or half glass full. I always look at the half glass full and, you know, I feel like whatever you want to do, there's always an answer or an option to get there to whatever that outcome is. But as I did the book and we were going through it and, you know, figuring out how we're going to structure it and what the story was when, you know, it's always easier to look back on stuff and figure out what really happened. But I did realize, and it was the theme throughout the book was that everything in my life had been a risk or the faith or whatever you want to call it. And then resilience to get through whatever that obstacle will be, because there will always be an obstacle. And then at the same time, learn as much as I can going through that process. So I think that combination of having a faith, having the resilience to get through whatever, but at the same time, not being super cocky and learning from other people or books or, you know, whatever, there's a million pieces of information on everything out there now. Um, that combination uh, worked really well. Leap of faith, resilience to get through whatever, and then learning in the process. Mm-hmm. So, what? Um, maybe let's let's back up for a second because I want to talk about um, you know kind of what inspired you to write the book and and you know kind of the why behind that. But let's maybe go back to um, when you first started your company. Um, what was the thought process behind that? You know, wanting to, to do something on your own, wanting to create your own path. Like what was the reason for wanting to go about and and start something yourself? Well, there's multiple reasons. I mean, I think I just wanted to be an entrepreneur from like a really young age. I never wanted to be like, you know, firefighter or a cop or whatever, you know, most people want to be a doctor. Um, I just Mm -hmm. always wanted to be an entrepreneur partly because, my my family was just, you know, kind of entrepreneurs. And that was just always going to be uh, the path for me. There was really no question. I wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to have my own business and do what I wanted to do. And then um, 
when I got out of college, I didn't, I had been a waiter and worked a lot of odd jobs in college. I didn't want to stay in that industry. And so real estate was got into uh, this company that was a hundred percent commission, um, really kind of like running your own business within a business um, when mm-hmm. you are percent commission like that and got into that and then was good at it and was good at this industry, um, really figured it out quickly. And then um, the company I was working with, the path there was to go and to start an office in a new city and, you know, kind of have more of your own business within a business. But they just were a lot of things that weren't above board. And ultimately, I knew that I would probably not feel fulfilled um, running an office for them and want to have my own thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity came um, and I had a friend from college who was an accountant who also was pretty entrepreneurial and had the operations and financial side of the business. And the opportunity was there and we both left our, um, you know, jobs or, you know, companies and started our own thing. Mm-hmm. So let, let folks know then a little bit more about property force and, um, what you guys do and, you know, for folks that, that might be interested as well, but, but, but talk a little bit about what, what is the company and what are you guys focusing on? Yeah. I mean, so we pretty much right now are focused fully on wholesale and hard money loans, wholesale, you know, br- broken down a little bit is you're essentially sourcing houses for investors. So mm-hmm. investors local to the different cities that we're in that are looking for houses to fix up and resell or fix up and rent. Um, we have all of their information compiled and database. And then on the other side of the business, we have um, marketing through direct mail, pay-per-click, TV, co-calling to find people who are looking to sell quickly. We Mm -hmm. secure contracts. And then as soon as we secure those contracts, we sell them to the investors who are looking to fix them up and rent them and resell them. So we do that. Um, Everything is virtual now. Um, We employ a lot of technology, data, things like that. Um, We have around 35 sales agents right now, all 100% commission. Um, a lot of them buy their own houses and are investors themselves. And, um, and we're scaling out. We're always looking for new agents, um, new people who are looking, you know, to kind of better their lives, um, are hungry, want to, um, you know, kind of want something different than the normal job. So, yeah, if anybody's listening and they're interested in that, you know, we're always looking for new um, you know, hungry, aggressive, uh, people who are willing to learn and coachable, um, that want to, you know, take a different path than the normal nine to five. Mm -hmm. So how did you, uh, talking about lead gen, like you said, you know, you've got mailers, you got pay-per-click, that kind of stuff. Um, wholesaling really has to be kind of a high volume touch point piece, and then mm-hmm. you've got to be able to convert, right? Um, because you got it. You're you're casting a wide net, um, and you've got the people that raise their hand, but but not everybody that raises their hand, um, you know, they they may want to sell, but they want to sell for the highest price, and they may yes. just not be a fit for your business. So walk through kind of funneling who's a, who's a fit and how that kind of sales funnel works for you. Well, I mean, right away with the marketing, we we say that we're buying distressed properties, you know, and mm-hmm. we're as is quick closing, we, we say to people, we're buying them at a discounted price. So that's going to eliminate a lot of people right there. But you mm-hmm. still have people that'll call in something pissed off and want to be taken off of our mailing list. And we try to funnel those people out as quickly as possible. And, and then that point on, you know, we it, it goes to a sales agent who's, um, you know, talking to the person, understanding the um, situation or with, with the house or the person. 
and while also valuing out the property and seeing if we're in the same ballpark as far as price goes. And, you know, if we are, we move forward. If not, we politely tell them that we can't buy their house for the price that they want and, you know, even consult them to take it to a realtor or how to kind of sell it on a retail level, funnel people out that way. And then, yeah, focus on the people that, um, that do want to sell it um, for the price. So it starts with the marketing right away, letting people know that they're, that these are distressed sales. And then, you know, training with the sales agents quick to identify which houses are in our buy box, which ones aren't, which are the right, um, you know, distress situation, um, whether it's the house or the person, and then focusing on those ones that are, um, you know, distressed and want to sell at a lower price point. Mm -hmm. So then when you get a property and you get a contract on a property, um, I'm assuming you've got lists of investors that you're constantly working with. And then, cause you gotta, yeah. you gotta find somebody to, to then buy that contract. So um, how does that side work for those folks that may, um, may not understand that? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just getting in contact with local investors, understanding their wants, their needs, having relationships with them. And, and then, um, you know, and then selling the properties to them, um, you know, matching up the best investor uh, with the property that matches the criteria they're looking for. So understanding their needs and having the relationships with investors is definitely really important. Mm -hmm. Well, and then too, the investors love it because they don't have to put all those systems and, and, and kind of that grind in place to find those properties because now they can just come to you as one of maybe fewer sources of where they can find their properties off market and they don't have to do all that work themselves. So they're excited to, to pay you part of that to be able to not have to do all that themselves, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, they, you know, some investors door knock, some investors maybe send out some letters or things like that themselves. But again, they're, they're then competing with me and other wholesalers who, you know, really do that. Um, well, mm -hmm. are trying to also fix up a house, you know, get tenants for the house, resell the house. There's a lot of things on their end that they're kind of focused on. So, you know, if I was an investor, I mean, I think I'd probably go um, dealing with wholesalers, us and other people to find the deals. And I'd rather pay that extra 10 grand or whatever it is um, so I can focus on what I'm doing. And yeah, I think it's just um, a, a good channel for investors. Certain investors won't deal with wholesalers and certain ones will for us. I think we have a really good reputation with investors because we actually do leave room on the, room on the deal for them to make money. Whereas a lot of wholesalers really strip it. And, you know, the, all the deals we control ourselves and we have the contract directly with the seller. We don't sell anybody else's deals or any kind of daisy chains or anything like that. So for investors, I think we're a really solid source of deals because they're priced right and there's no, you know, BS involved in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of wholesalers like you, yeah, you don't know. Are they just trying to pull a fast one on you and you yeah. know get this property? So, so having a good reputable person that you can work with is really important because you want to work with people that you know, like, and trust. And if if a deal goes bad, well, then they're not going to want to come back to you. So, um, you know, having a great yeah reputation. reputation, yeah, reputation is everything. And we've been around for a long time, and um, you know, we have a good reputation with investors. We don't screw them over, and we leave you know, room in the deal. Cause at the end of the day, you know, investors are looking at everything from a dollar standpoint, what are they out and what are they going to make a return on it? And so, you know, and obviously you don't want to deal with, you know, people who are, you know, jerking them around and stuff like that. So we don't do any of that. And I think it's served us well, long-term. Well, it mm -hmm. has for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit, just numbers. I know I had shared, you know, about a thousand deals this year. I know you'd mentioned hard money loans as well. Um, Talk just a little bit about the growth of your company and, and how that's taken off here 
um, and, and how you've been able to grow over the last few years? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think um, we always had a really good model. Um, and well, you know, it took us a long time to figure it out doing it the virtual way. Like I said before, there was no roadmap to it. So it took us a lot of time to build in that infrastructure, um, technology, data, how the model will work. There was a lot of adjustments on it. And then it finally kind of clicked fully into place about a year ago. And Mm -hmm. now, you know, since that point, we've built a really good executive team, people with a lot of experience on scale and um, growing a business. Like my technical expertise in wholesale is really high, but as far as, you know, structuring a business, um, the Mm -hmm managerial aspects. It's not really like what I like to do. So we've now kind of, you know, um, put together a really good team and now we can focus on scale. So yeah, this year our goal, and I think it's definitely very obtainable is um, doing about a thousand houses and about 3000 hard money loans. And, you know, next year we'll definitely be looking to do, you know, probably 1500 um, expand into some new uh, geographic areas and just, you know, really focus on our core, which is wholesale and hard money. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, another key piece of growth is, you know, being around like-minded people. And I know for you, um, you know, you, you have great people around you and I know you're part of the collective genius mastermind as well, which is other, you know, high producing investors. So just talk about um, for a second here, just kind of the, the relationships that you have of, of networking with other people that are further down the road or at the same spot as you that can really help change your mindset or grow your mindset to help you grow your company and kind of grow your vision of where you want to go in the future? Well, in Collective Genius, it's funny enough, it's actually the smaller uh, wholesalers that have been more helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. There's probably three or four companies in the country that are bigger than us as far as just strict, you know, wholesale or doing as many wholesale deals. And there's obviously a lot to learn from them, but I think them it's more on an execution standpoint and structure as far as what the biggest thing you know I've taken away from Collective Genius is actually the smaller wholesalers who can pivot quicker and try out different forms of marketing and different um, ta- tactics to kind of get to the sellers. And so, you know, for us, I feel very confident in our execution. But you know, if somebody says, "Hey, you know, TV works or cold calling works," and they've done that kind of you know legwork, and then we can just implement it in, that's kind of been more helpful. And then as far as, um, you know, just growing a business, it doesn't really matter what the business is. There's a lot of like similarities between different businesses. I think mm-hmm. the um, experience of our executive team um, with people who have scaled out much bigger businesses is obviously helpful. And then I've been a part of EO and YPO for a long time. And that's, um, you know, really about hiring people and working on the business besides in the business. And, you know, I've seen speakers and learned from, you know, people who've grown really massive businesses and you know, whether it's wholesale, whether it's, you know, selling TVs, whether it's whatever it is, a lot of those principles have been applied um, to scaling the business. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know it's, you know, when we talk about building financial freedom and um, you know, kind of time freedom, it's, it's having great people, it's having great systems and, you know, growing your mindset. And you've certainly done that. So um, congratulations to you on your success that you've had and, and all the success you're going to have in the future. So um, for those folks that, you know, want to learn more about you, want to learn more about your company, uh, your book, how can they get a hold of you? Um, honestly, the best way now is Instagram. Um, we're, we're very active on social media. So you can see a lot about me and a lot about the company. Um, and you could message me through there. Um, my Instagram handle is Oliver Seidler underscore. 
and uh, our companies as property force. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you in the future. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right.